Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Trucker Podcast. I'm James Rooster Bowen here with Justin Martin. And Justin, you're a very happy boy today, aren't you? Oh yeah, I get to talk to Optimus Prime, living out my uh, childhood dreams here. Yeah, I was wondering what that big giant cardboard box Optimus Prime photo was you put out on social media yesterday was all about. So that was a, it's called an ABC party, anything but clothing party. And it's basically, you show up, it's, it's for Halloween, and you show up wearing anything you have around the house uh, that you can make a costume out of. And my my friend, uh, Gabby, she's a visual effects makeup artist. She's actually like one of the most talented people I've ever met. And we literally like slapped that costume together with like two cardboard boxes she found in her house. And we called it Boximus Prime. And it was a big hit. Awesome. Uh Joining us on the show today is Joe Fiducia. Uh, He is the, talking about putting stuff together from scratch, he is the creator of a replica of Optimus Prime from Age of Extinction. Joe, welcome to the show. Thank you, Rooster. It's an honor to be here with you guys. And Justin, I love the the play on words there with your costume, man. I wish (laughs) I was that creative. I can I can do the words and Gabby can do the costumes. So it was it was a it was a really good team up. Uh, Joe, talk us through the whole uh, concept, the idea that you wanted to make your own version of Optimus Prime. Uh, we did an article on it on, on story on backtotruck.com. You guys go uh, check that out. But you know we all would rather hear firsthand stories from the people that created the the concept. So uh, Joe, talk us through this. Well, you ever wake up one day, Rooster, and just say to yourself, you know what? I want to drive Optimus Prime. So, like, that was one, that was one of those things where I just woke up and said, man, I really want to drive this truck. Uh, but it was a little more complicated than that. You know, we, um, like, just, just to, to put it in perspective, we actually replicated what was seen on uh, Transformers Age of Extinction. Now, you guys have seen all the movies, of course, right? Mm-hmm. So if you remember in the uh, the first three movies, Optimus Prime was a Peterbilt 379. And then uh, comes Age of Extinction, where he started out as a beat-up cab over and then switched into this majestic knight form of, of Optimus Prime. And if you remember that scene specifically, where he changes from that old truck to the new one, um, you had this, this really pompous music playing. You had Hound on top of the mountain screaming, Optimus is here! He's back! He's alive! Um, and then you have all those aerial shots of the truck. And that, for me, I think was that goosebump moment where... I saw that and I said, wow, I just watched that scene over and over and over again. So, um, you know, we kind of took it from from that little dream of saying how cool would it be to drive Optimus to actually building uh, the only replica of Optimus anywhere in the world. So for people who don't know, some of these companies that like have movies with cars in them, etc., they can be pretty litigious with the protecting their IP. Um, one of them is Gone in 60 Seconds with Nicolas Cage. The uh, Mustang at the end of that movie is named Eleanor. Eleanor, and, yep. And the guy who created the original Gone in 60 Seconds in the 1970s passed away. And so his wife owns the IP to that. And she's like one of the most hated people on DIY YouTube out there. Because she would, like, if you have a Mustang and you paint it gray and you're like, hey, it looks like Eleanor. you The, the first syllable out, out of your mouth, she sues you. And she will take your car. And it, it was like this big legal battle uh notorious a couple years back there's a youtube channel called b is for build and they were building a 1970 something uh mustang and they just oops they named it eleanor and she sued them and she took their car 
Um, yeah, how yeah. did you navigate the, the the whole like legal system? Because it's obviously you can you can take any truck, paint it red and blue, and everyone goes, "Oh yeah, that's Optimus Prime." But to actually be out there saying, "Yo, it's check it out, it's actually Optimus Prime." How did you uh, navigate that? Well, I am very familiar with the the Eleanor stories. I have seen mm-hmm. those, and that was actually part of the catalyst into how we ended up doing ours. Because I've seen you know the the Batmobile version replicas and the Back to the Future DeLoreans and the Disney cars and. Um, uh, I know from prior to building Optimus, we actually built Kit from Knight Rider. If you remember that TV oh, show, okay. the talking so have, car. Yeah, so you so have a I have, background of this. Yeah, yeah, I, I had gotten a chance to uh, to get out there and share our replica, but also meet a lot of folks with these replicas. And not one person I ever met had uh, obtained legal permission to do what they're doing. And for the most part, what they're doing is okay, but they all are walking a fine line. You know, they are a lot of times billing for their time. They're calling it by the actual name. Some of them are actually claiming that it's actually a screen used version and it's really not. So, um, you know, there's always that chance that the trademark owners can knock on their door and say, hey, listen, you need to stop right now, you know? So uh, one of the first things that we did, Justin, was prior to building Optimus, we um, hired a lawyer and we asked them for assistance in obtaining permission to build it from Hasbro who owns the trademark. And right off the bat, she said, Joe, you need to be prepared. They're probably going to say no, it's Mm. likely not going to happen. And I was fully prepared for that. And I don't know that I would have stopped if they said no, but I was prepared to, to try to give it, you know, give it a whirl. So the legal part, you know, took about a month, month and a half. Um, and, and they went back and forth with Hasbro and four days before Christmas, Justin, um, I got a letter from Hasbro approving the permission to build Optimus, um, which was like, you know, best birth or best Christmas present ever, you know? So, um, they, they basically had a couple stipulations, you know, uh, I couldn't pass it off as the original Optimus that was screen used, which I never do anyway. Um, it, it had to be a good quality build since it hadn't been done yet. So they didn't want, you know, some jalopy kind of piece together mm-hmm. uh, it had to represent the brand in a good way and uh you know i can't be appearing at at triple x conventions you know with optimus i have to make sure anything i do is family <laughs> friendly so we that was a big step that we took and we decided to do it even though we probably didn't have to we decided to because i didn't want them coming to me afterwards you know after i've invested all this time and money and effort and sacrifice and telling me that i need to stop so that was that was probably the biggest hurdle we had passed yeah, and and kudos to them for you know entrusting you with this because um, you actually do you you do a really good mission here uh, with the truck. I want to dig into that Night Rider build though for one second because I have a really funny story in my family about sure. that. My mom, when I was a baby, my mom took my brother to an air show in D.C. years and years ago in the '80s, and they had a Night Rider replica there for the air show for the kids to get their photos taken. And my brother is like the the, the line is like a mile long, and, and two hours later they finally get towards the front, and my brother sees the front of the car. And that light, that the light strip that goes back and forth, he notices mm-hmm. it blinks. It doesn't sweep. It blinks. And he immediately goes, that's not Kit. And then all the other kids in the crowd start seeing that. And they're like, what? Oh, he's right. That's not Kit either. So you got this whole airfield full of crying toddlers because the, the the car wasn't wasn't accurate. Um, uh-huh. Did you guys make, did you guys manage to get that detail correct? Oh, very much. Yeah, <laughs> we have we have the the flowing scanner with the trail that it's supposed to create. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's got the talking voice of Kit. I can actually have a conversation with it using uh, voice recognition software, so I could I could say something and the car will respond back to me in Kit's voice. Oh wow! Um, it's it's got a rocket launcher in the back. It sounds like a jet engine when it's driving using an audio <laughs> system. So I mean, there's there's all these little bells and whistles 
fancy interior gull wing steering wheel that uh, that really you know uh, represented very well. And Kit was the bomb back in the day, man. Wasn't that one of the cars you would have loved to drive? Yeah, but that steering wheel, what a piece of junk that thing is. <laughs> it's so hard. I, I've actually it is. I've, I've managed to sit in one, and when you're driving it, a lot of the new Teslas for some stupid reason they they for whatever reason they have that that gold like you said the gull wing style. Uh, it's not even a steering wheel. It's like a a yoke, I guess, almost. Yeah, a lot of people actually comment. They're like, "You you can you actually drive with that on? How is it driving?" And I said, "Well, you know, you can't really hold it at twelve o'clock. You can't really hold the <laughs> can't hold the wheel with your knee. You know, you got to hold it at, at nine and three, and it will certainly impel you if you crash. You got to make sure that you're you're very careful with it at the same time. But I mean, come on, what's what's better, safety or cool factor? Right? So I'm always yeah, having it, that debate. You got the authenticity factor, that's for sure." Yeah. <laughs> okay. So let uh, walk us through the beginning of this of this whole thing. Why the Western Star model, and not to say the Peterbilt? Is it just because it was the more recent movie? A couple reasons there. Um, so I I walked into this with no experience as a truck driver at all. I was mm, as okay. green as green could be. So I had to get my CDL. I had never stepped foot in a truck in my life. So oh, wow, really? I yeah, this was all <laughs> brand new, Justin. This was all totally you know um, a leap of faith, so to speak. So you know you mentioned the Peterbilt. Really loved the truck, very much so, but. I mean, for me to do that, it would require me to get an old one that's got, you know, five, six hundred thousand miles on it and coming brand new into trucking to begin with. I didn't know what a fifth wheel was. So how am I going to (laughs) maintain this really, you know, high mileage vehicle? Um, Plus with the the last night or the Age of Extinction version, um, I love the style. I figured, okay, it's new. So at least in the beginning, it shouldn't give me too many problems. Yeah, I was wrong on that. But the... um, (laughs) The, the truck itself has also never been done by anyone. Uh, there are a couple of people who have replicated the Peterbilt version, mm-hmm. but nobody has done the Age of Extinction version. So that was all part of the leap of faith as well. You know, let's try something that no other fan in the world has ever done. Yeah, ask, ask anyone who's bought a new truck in like the last five, six years. Um, <laughs> they look nice, but yeah, they're pretty fragile these days. Oh my gosh. I know. I, I never expected and that, 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 that's been a big learning curve for me, really just kind of, uh, I always call Optimus a diva. He really is a diva. <laughs> Even on this latest trip home, he gave me some issues. So I'm learning, you know, I'm, I'm figuring my way and finding my way like everybody does, but, um, it certainly has been a challenge, but yeah, to, to, to your, to your question, it was just more of, of, I really love the style. No one else has ever done it. So let's, let's, you know, go big. So what were the what were like the some of the first challenges right off? Because I when I saw the the before photos, I mean it was it's not even the same body color. You you bought a truck with like absolutely nothing done to it. Yeah. So the the very first thing that was a challenge, honestly, was um, getting my CDL. So mm. in order for me to do this, I, I require having a CDL with air brake endorsement and. Um, what I didn't need was all the typical training that that somebody would normally go through to drive a truck. I don't need to know how to hook up to a trailer because I'm not going to do that, right? So um, I needed to find a school that was willing to teach me kind of one-on-one sort of in a private way all the things that I need to know in order not only to pass but also be safe. So I actually chose to go with a Class A uh, CDL. I chose to learn on a, on a manual truck. I chose to learn with a trailer. I did every single thing your standard average truck driver will do. And the hard part about that was finding a school willing to um, do that for me, finding a school that says, 
well, yeah, sure, we can give you lessons versus everybody else that says, nope, you got to take the three, four month course like everybody else, right? Um, so finally, I, f- I found one that was, uh, it was about two and a half hours away from where I live here in Pennsylvania. And my favorite part of that was on the day of the test. So you have to kind of picture this scenario, Justin. I am in the CDL school maybe twice a week for three to four hours at a time. While I'm there, there's classes going on with every, you know, people that are there every day getting their CDL. And I can guarantee you at least some of those guys were looking at me saying, yeah, right. Okay. Here's this guy who thinks he's going to take a few hours of lessons from time to time, get a CDL. That's okay. Let's watch this epic fail, right? So on the day of the actual test, the CDL test, there were uh, other guys from the school there with me. First guy went and he ended up failing on the uh, the pre-trip inspection part. Yeah, they'll get you for that. Then mm-hmm. comes the second guy who um, had a bit of a bump in the road, but they ended up kind of redoing it and he ended up passing his. Then comes me and everybody in there came outside to watch. Like I was the only one they watched <laughs> and I can't help but wonder why, right? Um, and I knocked it out of the park and my favorite moment was when I you know how you have to do the 90 degree back where you have Mm -hmm. to kind of back in at a 90 degree angle I did that in one smooth shot I didn't go back and forth I didn't jockey it at all I didn't have to get out I I literally put it in reverse and boom I was right there and I screamed inside the truck because they're all (laughs) watching me from a distance they're all standing there leaning against the building and I know they're kind of sort of like okay how's this gonna go and I screamed to myself, oh, my God, I did it. So and then I had to uh, I had to remind myself, OK, OK, stay calm. We're not done yet. Um, but that was that was probably one of the biggest hurdles uh, passed at the time. Do you remember how many people there were total in that class at the time? Uh, the class. Well, there were a couple classes going on at the time I was taking the lessons um, at the CDL's. Uh, uh, testing site that I was at, there were five guys total um, from that, from one of the classes. Okay. I'll, so this is how, so you went like your own route. What, what typically happens with a lot of guys, like same with me and with Rooster, we went to a company and there are companies out there that will hire brand new people, train them to get their CDLs, and then you drive for them for a while. So when I started, it was 87 people in our class. And then within the first couple of days, like half of them were gone. And yeah. then I believe at the end of two weeks, so our training was two weeks total. And at the end of those two weeks, only 17 passed. Wow. Yeah. It's not an easy thing to do. I mean, you, you no. can agree, you know, it's, it's not, it's, it's not for everybody. Everybody thinks it's pretty straightforward. You get in the truck and go, but there, there it's, it was probably one of the most challenging things in my life at the time, you know, just learning what needs to be done and, and how it's done. It, it's for someone who's got no experience at all. I could see why why many people would either choose to leave or just not pass. Yeah. And one of the most frustrating parts too, is everybody goes in there from like different backgrounds, different experiences um, in trucks. And so you got guys like me with like absolutely zero trucking experience and, and like yourself. And then the, you have these guys um, that like grew up on farms their entire lives. So they're used to like riding tractors and backing up, you know, trailers with hay and stuff on them. Those guys would drive circles around us. We were so mad because like they, they, they could drive the trucks, no problem. They just didn't have a CDL. Um, yeah, so that yeah. was very frustrating watching these guys that like just blew past you. Uh, yeah. backing and, and doing everything else. And you're still like, you know, you're, you're still re- rewiring your brain to figure out. Yeah. How to, uh... All right. Trying to figure out how, <laughs> how do I start this thing again? You know? So it's, it's, it's not for everybody. That's for sure. And, and there certainly gave me a, a different perspective on, on truck drivers and what they do and what they learn and what they know and the safety and everything that's involved in it. I, I, I feel very grateful that I've been able to uh, learn a lot about 
how this works and and just from nothing else but a safety standpoint when i'm driving my car i now know what the truck yeah. drivers are looking for you know yeah so what was what was the first thing you noticed like being in a truck the difference of that versus being in a car the shifting the, mm. the 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 manual transmission shifting because i i know how to drive a stick shift car yep. Yep, but you know with, with the truck you got to do that whole double clutch thing all oh, you know technically you don't have to but for the purposes of a cdl you have to you have to learn how to do it the right way right so mm -hmm. figuring out that double clutch thing when not only you're accelerating and shifting up but also shifting down um that was that was challenging that was that was tough to figure out but once you get the rhythm you know you're yep. it's it's pretty straightforward or you, you think you do and then you get into a different truck or a different make and model and the, the shifting is totally different yeah and that was actually <laughs> what happened on the day of my test that was actually a truck <laughs> oh, that no. the, the school brought a truck that i hadn't driven yet so the whole thing mm -hmm. was brand new to me but I, I i you know that was all part of why i was so happy that day to uh to pass so is optimus a manual or an automatic now much to the dismay of many drivers out there, he is a 12-speed automatic. Mm. And as soon as I say that to a lot of the drivers, they're like, oh, really? Come on. <laughs> but you got to you gotta understand how I use this thing. You know, I'm not pulling yeah. 50, 60, 70,000 pounds of weight behind me. I don't need all yeah. those gears. It's easier for me just to put it in drive and go, you know? Keep it in character. Just say Optimus drives himself. I do say that very <laughs> often, actually. You got, you got the nail on the head on that one. <laughs> all right. So, um, so you build this thing. What, what were you... Were you initially just doing this as like a show truck? I know you do you do like tours and stuff now, and I love the the anti bullying campaign. We'll definitely get into that. Um, but what were you doing originally with the truck? Well, so the whole idea behind this build was to inspire my son. That was the whole ground up approach that we took with this. He was eight years old at the time, and for me. I had kind of, I was a software applications trainer in the day and I actually, I did radio and I did a whole bunch of other stuff. And I, um, I was just very kind of unsatisfied. I was kind of reaching that, that, um, plateau in life, so to speak. So I was looking for something different, something more gratifying. And at the same time, I was looking for ways to inspire him because he was having some issues with kids in school, bullying him and whatnot. And, uh, you know, words only go so far. So we actually decided as a family to do this, but I chose to do this because I wanted to show him what it means to take a leap of faith in life, what it means to try something that's impossible, what it means to stand up to the bullies in your life and not be afraid to show the world what you can do. So like with, with this and everything we're talking about, you know, I, I obtained my CDL. I mean, that to me was a huge win and leap of faith and, and hard right from anything I've ever done in my life. So that was a win. Um, we obtained that legal permission from Hasbro to do this. Um, we had done it all from photos of the movie truck. So we had no blueprints, no specs, nothing to work mm. with except what we found on Google. And so far, I'm the only fan in the world to do this. So the whole idea and premise behind this was to motivate my son, Ryan. And um, he's, he's 15 now. So like at the time, when it was done, he was the coolest kid in school. Like he'd get dropped off <laughs> yeah. in Optimus Prime. But now that he's in high school, he's like, oh, you know what, Dad? You can leave the truck at home. It's okay. You know what I mean? He's kind of reached that off. age, but he he still very much appreciates it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it does. But he's um, gotten some great opportunities. Wow. So I okay, I didn't even think of that. You didn't you didn't have any contact with anybody from uh, who made it? What was this? Warner Brothers or? So uh, Hasbro owns the trademark, and Paramount was Paramount. Uh, the, the movie franchise. Okay, but you you had no contact with them or advice from them on like building the truck. You d you did everything through your own research. 
zero. We wow. had zero. The only we got the legal permission from Hasbro, and that was it. Um, everybody, you know, was radio silent. Uh, Western Star, who was the the maker of the truck that we had gotten, was very tight lipped on on specs of the truck because we would we would uh, try finding out like, well, what was the paint code that you used? Can you tell us that, yeah. or can can you give us at least a couple measurements? Nope, they said nothing. <laughs> or the, so, the or the smokestack. Like these aren't obviously off the part shelves. Like I'm, I assume most of this stuff had to be like custom fabricated. Very much. Those stacks, mm-hmm. for instance, took uh, 400 hours and 10 guys of labor to build and uh, a chrome. And and you know even on the small details, man. Like how do you figure out the diameter of those stacks? Is it a five inch, yeah. six inch, seven inch stack? So like all those little specs and details that you, you take for granted when you're looking at a picture and be like, Oh, I can replicate that. But when it really comes down to it, no, you can't. It's kind of <laughs> hard to figure out without some information. So no, are, are those the actual exhaust stacks or is that just cosmetic for the truck? What do you think? Well, you got smoke that comes out of it. I would assume that part is cosmetic. Uh, I'm not too, too familiar with Western stars. Um, I would say maybe half and half. Well, that's a common question that a lot of people ask. They want to know, so so which ones are functional? Mm. And I always ask them the same thing. I say, well, which one do you guys think? And a lot of times folks will say the outer ones because they have the heat shields on them. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, none are actually functional. Mm. They're all dummy pipes. Uh, the, the truck itself, I joke sometimes it runs on solar power. Like it's not even <laughs> a, a real diesel. But he uh, he's actually got the uh, grass burner exhaust right below the cab. So okay. you can't yep. see it from any angle. And and again, when I tell guys this, like with the shifting thing, I tell guys this that drive trucks and they're like, oh, really? Like they really want to hear it roar, right? Yeah. Some of them are, are standing there when I'm getting ready to leave an event. Some of them are standing there with their cameras waiting for me to start it up and waiting for this big boom of cloud black smoke, you know? Um, but I explained to them that, you know, the, right? that, and you could just imagine the look of disappointment on their face, Rooster, when they see like, oh, it sounds like a lawnmower. They you expect know? the um, prime the roll coal. Come on, man. <laughs> No, sorry. I tell Ener- people Ener- Energon is a green resource. Right, exactly. <laughs> it's it's a renewable new, renewable energy, renewable form of energy. No, I, it, it, it's it's uh we intentionally didn't hook them up for many reasons, cost being one, the logistics yeah. number two, but also like having no heat going through them means they should last me a lot longer. They should maintain that shine. If there was heat going through, they would start yeah. fading and discoloring. Boy, really, so, yeah. you know, there's that. I, I do not intend to build these again. So I want them to kind of be a once and done. Um, and I'm around a lot of kids too, you know. The, the I don't want anyone going up and burning themselves when they want to say hi to Optimus Prime, right? So. Exactly, yeah. I, I love that. Little little details like that. So I every year around Christmas time, I, I end up going down a Santa Claus rabbit hole because, you know, the big beard. And that is mm-hmm. one of my goals later in life once this thing turns gray is to be a Santa Claus. And um, talking to a lot of those guys, there's so many little details that goes into actually portraying Santa Claus in public that you normally don't even think about. Right. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Little, little kids burning themselves on the exhaust. That's that's uh, that's pretty key. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm like browsing through the, the gallery right now. The fifth wheel on the back of this thing is polished, Rooster. There isn't a there isn't a, a speck of fifth wheel grease on this thing. It, Optimus is definitely a show truck. <laughs> yeah. yeah. When yes. people ask, like, "Oh, do you put so so you you haul loads with this?" and I yeah. said, "Go ahead and look at the fifth wheel, and that'll answer your question." <laughs> Not a wear mark on that thing. That's actually a standard fifth wheel. You can actually get that from. Uh, I, that was a dealership ordered fifth wheel. There's nothing. It's not chrome plated. It's not a, a, a cover for it. That's a Holland fifth wheel. Supposedly with that particular type, um, the plates that they have on it's like a Teflon plate, so they don't require grease. So it's a cleaner 
fifth wheel than than most, but they're also so expensive. That's why you probably rarely see them. Yeah, and you're yeah. still going to require. Either way, even if you don't put grease on it, the first trailer you're back into is going to have grease on it. So, you know, what's right, what's, right. what's the point? Um, I'm looking at your gallery here. There's there's you know uh, troops saluting optimists. You got kids. There's a woman in a wedding dress. Were you guys part of a wedding? We have done weddings. Yeah, there are some <laughs> some some mega fans out there, and there's actually another mm. one that we're going to do not too long from now. And actually, those folks asked me to. Uh, to be the uh, officiator, they asked me to kind of oh, uh, nice. be an ordained minister and be the one that actually officiates their wedding. So I'm I'm excited to do that as well. Yeah, there's a lot of mega fans out there, man. Yeah, if you uh, have you finished that process yet? There's actually a couple of really easy ones. My, my wife is a uh, Dudist priest. I have not actually. I am. Uh, I I do fully intend to. I haven't researched what's involved in it, but it's it's an honor just to be asked that question. You know, so if I can if I can do that, then then I'm happy to. Yeah, look up. Uh, I think it's the Church of Big Lebowski. Um, that's where that's where she went through, and she's officiated. I think probably half a dozen weddings, friends and family, that kind of thing. And people and mm-hmm. people who attend these weddings that don't like know her, they think like that's what she does for a living. Is like she's like a, a wedding officiator, and she's like, no, I'm just friends of the bride, and I'm a Dudist priest. Yeah, <laughs> so here yeah. Are. I'm trying to think of ways that I can I can up up it, you know, kind of in 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 true Transformers fashion. Like at the end. Do I say like you are now husband and wife? Roll out, you know. Do I? Oh, yeah. Do I add a little <laughs> little emphasis there? I don't know yet. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. So what? Okay, so we have uh, tours. You know, all these different stops. You been What other events do you do? We do mainly family themed stuff, but I would say that let's maybe 40, 50% of what I do is events. So like uh, comic conventions, community events, fundraisers, uh, things that are family oriented, festivals, parades. And uh, the other 50% of what I do is um, the anti-bullying stuff. So I'll go to schools and do anti-bullying presentations. I do Make-A-Wish stuff where I will uh, actually this coming Saturday, I am visiting a child. I'm driving down to Virginia to visit a child who has uh, been diagnosed with a very aggressive form of cancer Mm. and he doesn't, uh, doctors don't think he has much time left. So I'm actually going to surprise him and we're going to give him like the full VIP treatment for 90 minutes. He's going to have lights and sirens entrance with the police. He's going to get some photos with Optimus. He's going to get a drive or ride in Optimus. We're going to go to a store and do a shopping spree, compliments of me for him. Uh, We're going to meet Bumblebee, Ironhide. We're going to make him feel like a king. So um, stuff like that is also what I do. And I tell people all the time, if all I ever did was that stuff and the anti-bullying stuff, I'd be totally content. I love events. I enjoy them very much and want to continue them. But the the full satisfaction really comes from using Optimus for how I believe he should be. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's man, that's amazing. Um, sorry, choking up a little bit here because that's uh that's uh, that's some that's some cool stuff there. Um, so this was all self funded, right? You know, completely through you, right, Joe? Right. This was all self-funded. Um, we have zero sponsors. Now, whenever we go somewhere, we do help. We do get help getting to those locations. I do not have the yeah. means of going anywhere without help. But uh, yeah, the build <laughs> itself is all self-funded. So this is this is a, a, a second mortgage. This is a <laughs> lifetime of savings gone. And it's probably a lifetime of debt ahead of me. But, you know, behind all of that, remember, is the reason I did it, right? So this was for my son. So if he grows up one day and he does whatever he wants to do, but using what I did as motivation to do it, then I don't mind the debt. You know, I'll pay it off eventually. Yeah. When you go to these events um, like Comic-Con, et cetera, do you run into people who actually worked in the movie? Like, do they see the truck and, you know, ask you about it? 
I have met a few folks. So uh, first one is Peter Cullen. I have met him, the voice yeah. of Optimus Prime. Uh, he was at an event that we were done uh, doing in NASA. It was a private ceremony that uh, he attended. So he got to meet us and see us and see the truck. Uh, we met Tony Todd, uh, Candyman. He was the voice of The Fallen in the second movie for the Transformers. Uh, we met Titus Welliver who was the bad guy in the fourth movie, Age of Extinction, the bad FBI guy that was fighting with Mark, Mark Wahlberg the entire movie. Uh, we met him, and we also met Jeff Klein, who, uh, if you watch any of the animated shows like Transformers Prime, Rescue Bots, um, Jeff Klein is the executive producer for those shows. So yeah, we have certainly uh, met a few folks along the way, and, and everybody's been very hospitable. And at the same time, I don't really pursue it either. You know, people are like, "Oh, you you got to get Peter Cullen's signature." I'm like, "Well, eh, I mean, it's cool, yeah. but I don't, I don't, I don't do it for that. If he does happens to do that, great. He's there for the fans, and I respect that. So I'm not here to kind of take over, take away from that attention either. But no, nobody from like the the crew on the movies, like none of the mechanics from the trucks or anything. I guess I, I want to know. Like, I, if I'm building something like this, I want to meet the guys who made the one for the movie and say, "Hey, what do you guys think of this?" So after our build was complete, I actually started hearing from people that had played a role in, in the original build of the truck. Um, there was, um, I think it was called Twins Custom Coaches. I think they were they were the ones that built the, the stacks on the original truck. So somebody from there had reached out. As a matter of fact, on our truck, when you look at the front bumper on the passenger side, there's a, there's a mural of a young boy named Kyle Camo. Kyle is or was the the graphics artist that designed the flames. So the mm. style of flame that you see on our truck, he is the original creator and artist of that. He was the one that was supposed to paint the two trucks they used in the movie. His design was the approved design, and, and it wasn't far from that point that he was scheduled to start painting the trucks. And then he was riding his bike home one day, bicycle, and he crashed with a skateboarder. He got a head injury from it and didn't survive it. So I did not know who he was, but after our build was done, um, my following put me in touch with his parents who are on the West Coast, and they actually flew here to Pennsylvania. I shared, uh, or I interviewed them so we can share Kyle's story online, and uh, I asked them if they wanted to do a tribute for him, and that's what they gave me. So um, yeah, I, I have in a way kind of met him as well, and I like to think that we're also keeping his legacy alive through our through our journeys. Yeah, I see it here in the gallery with the, uh, the Cub Scout Pack 88. That's that's really cool. There, You could look at 100 photos of this truck and find a 1,000 different little details. Like, Are you done with the build or are you constantly like improving or tweaking things as, as we're going forward? Now, when can anyone who's crazy enough <laughs> as I am ever say that they're done with the build? True, right? true. <laughs> when is there? He, he's not going to be done until he stands up into a robot, you know? Oh, um, <laughs> yeah. Then, then maybe I'll consider him done. But no, I there, there's always there's always things that we're we're fixing, uh, maintaining, but also adding. You know, over the years I've I've tried to do a lot to bring life to it. So everybody looks at this and they want to see it transform. And you'd be surprised, actually, guys, like how many people legitimately expect this thing to stand up, and they're disappointed when it doesn't. I'm like, wow, lower the expectations just a tad. So um, I always tell the kids that he's a robot in disguise, and he's always maintaining his disguise. Yes. But I have done things to bring life to it. So uh, there's there's an audio system mounted below it. 
which will project Optimus Prime's voice very authoritatively, very well. Um, there's a CO2 system mounted on it. So you had alluded to the smoke in the stacks earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, as he's talking, he'll shoot CO2 out of the stacks, in the back, in the front, which scares the crap out of people, but they love it at the same time. And uh, there's also actuators on the truck where uh, certain panels will open up. The front panels will open, the hood will raise up, the doors mm. will start to flare out. So when you kind of combine all that, the talking, the CO2, all the parts that are kind of moving a little bit, it really does sell the illusion that it is the real Optimus Prime. So things like that are what I continue doing to try to bring life to it. It had to have been incredibly difficult figuring that out for the hood because just on a, on a regular Western Star, those are big hoods and yours has all kinds of accessories stacked onto it. So those things aren't aren't light by any means. No, in order to open the hood, I actually need two people to do it safely. It is extremely heavy because of all the modifications we had done to the top of it. But uh, there's the, there's actuators kind of right where those push-up points are. So the actuators just kind of push up on both points straight up for about 10, 12 inches, which is more than enough for what I need while, while still keeping it safe. Um, so what do you have next planned for the truck? Like what, are you tweaking anything or did something fall off in the middle of transit? (laughs) Um, yeah, I think at the moment it's more just maintenance and, and just satisfying his diva ways, man. Like he's got so many, (laughs) so like I, I just got home yesterday and and I was looking around and I saw a broken wire. I'm like, really dude, come on. Him and I have some serious conversations to have, but, um, I think I think I would really like to kind of pursue the the actuators a bit more and, and make a few more panels kind of move or, or somehow uh, uh, demonstrate a little kind of transformation sort of thing. The kids really love that stuff. It really sells the illusion. For now, though, like at the same time, I'm I'm self funded, like and and we're just recovering from the pandemic that grounded mm. us for a long time. So. I don't have the means and the funding to do all this fancy stuff that I want to do. It's just a matter of trying to keep it together and, and trying to make sure that it stays in one piece as I'm driving this. So that there's many, as many of those dreams as there are, there are limits to what I can physically do. Yeah. Um, so yeah, let's talk a little bit about this anti-bullying campaign. Like what started it and go, go through the process of like what an actual show or an event looks like. The uh, well, the starting point is, is uh, I was bullied a lot as as a child well into my adult years so i understand the effects of bullying and how it can how it can occur or how it can change you as a person um and uh, there was an incident that occurred in 2019 you know in the beginning i thought everybody would love optimus everybody like how could you not love optimus and then i find out well actually there's a big divide in the transformers fandom uh people Mm -hmm. who either love this thing or they hate it so okay i've learned that But in 2019, there was an incident that occurred with someone that I had been partnering with for a while that uh, that really kind of shed some light as to how grown adults are still just as bad as the bullies that you experienced in elementary school. So I started thinking to myself, well, here I am with this iconic motivational character that has inspired so many people. I come from a background of of public speaking, so I'm I'm comfortable in front of people. So I figured, you know combining those two backgrounds with my experience in bullying, let's do something. So I started putting together a presentation for the elementary schools where um, we just kind of encourage them to rise up against bullies alongside their favorite fictional character. And it's, it's an awesome spectacle, man. Like you gotta, you gotta picture. So all these kids in the school, they're all brought outside and they're not told why all they're told is there's an assembly. Okay. So all these kids are coming outside, just another standard assembly, right? 
And then I usually will coordinate with the local police or the fire departments or EMS departments in the region or the town that I'm in. And they will 90% of the time give me a lights and sirens entrance for the kids. So the kids hear the sirens, they see the fire trucks, and then they see Optimus and they just go crazy. They're like, they're not expecting that. So I've got their attention, right? And then I'll spend um, a good 30 minutes or so talking to them about bullying and what it means to rise up against them. And I even have Optimus talk to them a little bit. And um, once we're done with the presentation, I ask if they would like to be part of Team Prime and join Optimus. And of course, they all say yes. So then when I'm done with that part, Bumblebee comes in again Mm. to their surprise because they all want to see Bumblebee. Well, guess what? We've got him and he's coming right now. And uh, they get pledge cards that they can actually sign uh, to be part of this, this pledge against bullying. So it is probably, I would say one of the most unique presentations about anti-bullying anywhere in the world. And I tell the principals all the time, like the, 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 the kids will never forget the day the transformers came to their school. They'll never forget that day. And my hope is the message that's connected to it will resonate, you know, more than more than normal. Yeah, it's a great show. I mean, just, just seeing photos and videos that you release on TikTok, I, you can tell like, the kids are just going absolutely bananas, having a good time. Very much. So far, we visited uh, well over 150 schools across, well, from, from mainly New York down to Texas. Um, we have uh, talked to well over 35,000 students. And uh, in a couple of weeks, I'll be going up to Northern Ontario and visiting several schools up there. So um, I, I, I would love to do this kind of cross country. And, and the biggest problem is always the funding, you know, finding someone to fund that, especially when it comes to schools, the further I go, the more expensive it gets, they can't afford that. So yeah, um, I would love nothing more than to have someone come forward and say, hey, we love what you're doing. How can we finance it so that you can hit schools across every all 50 states or at least 48 states? You know, what can we do to help you? So um, I keep going with that, that possibility in mind. Yeah. And you're not pulling a trailer. So you're, you're just bobtailing. But still, like, what, what kind of mileage are you getting out of Optimus right now? Oh, gosh, maybe like four or five miles a gallon. No, I, that's a bit low. He gets maybe um, eight, nine miles a gallon, which is yeah. like, you know, it makes me never want to complain about filling up my little Honda Civic again, you know. <laughs> I'm surp- I'm honestly surprised it's that low because most a lot of these newer trucks like you can be fully loaded and as long as you're flat you're still getting six seven miles per gallon because these these engines are tuned to be you know pulling heavy loads. Yeah, only about eight or nine, and and only one of the fuel tanks is functional. Uh, so it's about 120 gallons of fuel hmm. that I put in there. So trust me, man. I like I don't I don't look forward to those bills every time I pull up to that pump. But <laughs> I, it's another harsh reality that I've learned in in driving a truck. It's 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 not for everybody. Save those fuel reward points. Right. I was so <laughs> proud of myself the other day. I have, I, I don't know, I don't know how much I've spent on fuel at uh, like pilots and flying J's. And I was proud of myself. I went to go buy something that uh, a pilot a couple days ago, just like a little package of mini donuts. And I was like, gosh, I hope I have enough points to buy these little donuts. <laughs> and it turns out <laughs> I did. Well, it's, uh, when I was driving team with my dad, <clears throat> we decided like, to only fuel at pilot and flying J's just so that we can have all of our fuel points on one single card. Mm-hmm. And within probably un- just under a year, we had enough saved up that we could buy like a really fancy 800 plus dollar Garmin truck GPS. So uh, yeah. So it shows you what kind of mileage like truck drivers are putting on. Yeah. Yeah. I thought you were going to say you're going to buy like a really fancy plush doll or something like that's the, <laughs> the points. Well, and this, uh, this was a decade ago. So who knows what the, what the point I, I hear like f- showers are up to like 
nine dollars now or something like that yeah or no yeah, I'm sorry, I, seven seventeen dollars now for showers it's, it's insane it was ten dollars or five five dollars for a shower when i first started you know quote unquote back in my day i'll just find somebody with i'll find somebody with a garden hose who can just spray me down <laughs> so you're going to canada next um have you been into canada before like what, what are the uh what do the crossing guards say when they when they see something like this I have been to Canada a few times. Um, as a matter of fact, we were just back in December and January doing something for Starlight Canada, which is kind of like Make-A-Wish. I specifically went up there to visit individual families at their homes. No event or nothing. So yeah, I, I have definitely gone up there a couple times. Uh, Crossing-wise, yeah, going into Canada is straightforward. They're like, oh yeah, good to see you. Great. You know, and, I mean, they're not that friendly, but you know, it's relatively easy to get across the border into Canada. Coming back, not so much. Coming back, they 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 drill you. And uh, there was mm-hmm. one in particular, one instance where I was coming from, uh, I believe it was Montreal, and I was coming through uh, crossing into New York. And when you when you you know if you've driven in Canada, right? When when you uh, mm-hmm. were a driver, so you know you have to have a, a manifest, right? When you cross the border, kind of a yep. d- detailed accounting of what you did. I don't have that. So <laughs> when I pulled up into this border, that's the first thing they asked for. Where's your manifest? I don't have one. Okay. What were you doing? I was at a convention. What do you mean a convention? And he just starts drilling me with these, these questions. And then he immediately stops me and says, stay right there, closes the window and then opens it back up a moment later. Please follow these guys. They'll direct you where to go next. So I followed a car into this big, massive building and uh, <laughs> they have all this scanning equipment. And, and here I am, I'm like freaking out. I'm like, okay, what's going on here? You know? Yeah. So, um, at the time I actually had lost my voice. I could barely talk because I had been talking so much that weekend. Yeah. So um, I got out of the truck and, and the guy said, so what are you doing? I said, if you, if you bear with me, I can explain to you. Um, <laughs> so I, I tried to explain as best I could and they said, okay, okay. So they brought me or they said, follow me. And, and they brought me into this enclosed room, no windows. It must've been the size of half a closet. It was like a jail cell for what I, as far as I'm concerned without the bars and I'm just sitting there like they said nothing. They didn't say, we'll be right back. They just said, wait here, please. And and and, and I was there for probably 10 minutes. And of course, just like, okay, what is going on? Am I ever going to get home? So uh, they finally opened the door and, and they said, okay, you're free to go. And I was like, so is there anything that I can do next time to prevent this from happening? And they said, no, you did, you, you did everything yeah. right. Just a lot of these, uh, some of the guards don't really know, uh, you know, what to do in certain situations. So they send them our way. So there was nothing I could have done, I guess, to prevent that. But that was probably my, my most uh, uh, scary uh, entrance into the USA I've ever had. Yeah, I, I always called people like that drones. Uh, I would see that, that kind of personality is all over the Postal Service. Um they are very, it's a very monotonous job. So every day you're doing task ABC. They can do ABC all day long, no problem. But as soon as an anomaly pops up like you or a truck with like paperwork that's not quite in order, the whole the whole system is thrown out of whack and they don't know what to do. So that, that as soon as you said that guy said, hang on, close his curtains and left, that's him going to somebody and saying, hey, what do I do? Because they yeah. just, they don't, they don't know. So, and, and not to disparage them or anything. It's just, that's just the nature of the job. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're all day long, you're doing the same monotonous task. And then as soon as something out of the ordinary comes along, you're like, it like snaps you out of your, your 
vague, you know, job and you're like, okay, now I actually have to think for a minute. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I, 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 I always go with the mindset in these situations to, uh, just, just, just be polite, you know, answer their questions. Don't give them a hard time. And I'm the same way. Anytime I, I get stopped at a way station, I'm just answering their questions, polite, courteous. And, and so far it's, it's worked, you know, I haven't had any issues. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. So you still have to get stopped at way stations and stuff along the way. See, that's a gray area, man, because like, you know, Optimus doesn't do, have any yeah. sort of DOT regulations that, that we're part of. It's a privately owned vehicle. But mm-hmm. if I'm on the highway and a sign says all trucks, like technically I'm in a truck. So I would rather, I, I do choose to pull into those stations. Let's just say 90% of the time, but we won't talk about the other 10%. <laughs> um, <laughs> 90% of the time I choose to pull in and uh, uh, because of the sciences, all trucks, because I'll, I'll, I just rather explain it to them there than, uh, than, than pass them and upset them and have them chase after me, you know? So um, I've been stopped a few times. Uh, once they wanted to take photos, the other times they wanted to do a level <laughs> one inspection. There was one, st- one in Virginia that what? St- they started a level one inspection and they started asking me questions. They asked for my license, said, what company are you with? I said, no company. I said, what do you mean? No company. I said, I'm private, mm. privately owned. And immediately he gave me back my license and have a nice day. You know, the inspection <laughs> stopped right there. So man, who gives Optimus prime a level one inspection, right? I'm mean, telling you, these, <laughs> most of the time, these, these, these guys don't guy. have a sense of humor, right? But at the same time, there's been some really cool ones there. Uh, there was one station that physically pulled me in. And it was one of those uh, speakers initially. There was nobody standing there, but you were talking to a speaker. And the lady on the speaker says, nice truck driver, nice truck. And I was like, (laughs) oh, thank you. And then a couple guys came out to get photos and they waved me on. That was it. We need to get in touch with, um, oh, what was his name? We need to get in touch with Jake over at um, CVSA and try and get Optimus Prime like a, uh, you know, a nice little uh, CVSA sticker. (laughs) Right, right. Give him a special pass. We had um, uh, Kayla Lanier and Jake Oliverta, the director of uh, safety at CVSA. So when you um, uh, go through a level one inspection and you pass, you get this little sticker that goes on the corner of your windshield that lets, you know, any other way stations that you go through through the rest of the year that like, yo, this truck went through a level one. He's, he's good to go. And so they came onto our podcast to talk about uh, Truckers Against Trafficking. It's another great organization. And I told them I had this crazy idea. So here's how you shut down human trafficking tomorrow. Any truck driver who has like a verified history of like calling in the hotline and shutting down a human trafficking operation, they get like a nice little level one gold sticker guaranteed for life on the windshield. And you will, you will never have another person trafficked ever again. And yeah. Joe about fell out of his chair. He thought that was the funniest thing ever. I <laughs> so love I'll, that idea. I'll, I'll, I'll have to admit, I'll have to uh, take it up with my board. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder, I wonder how those conversations went. <laughs> they probably were like, no, this is the dumbest thing ever. <laughs> There was actually one time I got pulled out of at a station and they were doing some kind of exhaust check. Uh, they put some mm-hmm. sort of machine into your exhaust to check whatever they were checking. So they had pulled me over and immediately he, he opens the door and says, we're going to check your exhaust. I said, okay. He says, uh, stay right there. He puts this machine into one of the stacks at the top <laughs> and says, rev, rev your engine. So there was like one of those moments like, hmm, do I, do I just go along with this? And, and they're going to see like a zero reading. So I ended up, I ended up telling him like, Hey guys, there's no exhaust coming out of there. It's, it's out of the bottom. And, uh, one of the guys had commented like, Oh man, I thought this was going to be an easy one. So, uh, <laughs> they did their test and sent me on my way. Optimus Prime was about to pull a, uh, what was that Volkswagen that cheated on their diesel? <laughs> diesel <test. laughs> 
Uh, you got any more upcoming events that you uh, have scheduled you want to talk about? We do have uh, a lot of events that are in the works um, and, and a lot of things that are being coordinated right now. We're, our, we're like, like I said, we're still kind of recovering from the pandemic. So a lot of people are either very limited in their budgets um, because they're just starting their shows again. Um, but we uh, have a place on our website, optimistishere.com, where people can actually see our schedule. So uh, I always put something out there every so often uh, when new things are added, people can sign up for text message alerts. We welcome the chance to travel anywhere in the country, including Canada. And uh, like I said, we have this trip coming to Northern Ontario. I'll be going down to Virginia this Saturday. And just a little teaser. If, uh, if you guys remember Megatron from the third movie, he was a Mack truck with all these spikes coming out of the front. You remember that? So that particular truck is actually based only 45 minutes away from me and we are intending to schedule something very big in June of this year that will let's just say cause people to want to fly in to see and that's 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 all I'll say to this point so Ooh, all stay right. tuned and then this on a nice little teaser there yep yep <laughs> Uh, well, Joe, it's been such a pleasure talking with you. I don't want to waste too much more of your time. Uh, I know you got more to fix on Optimus. Like you said, he's a, he's quite a diva. No, it's 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 not <laughs> no problem at all. I, I I enjoy you know sharing our story with the world, and I enjoy the opportunity to speak to guys like yourself. And um, you know, yes, Optimus is a diva, but that doesn't mean life stops. I still have you know other things that I have to take care of too. So he's just going to have to diva his himself in the garage. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I appreciate the opportunity. I really do, guys. I'm glad you found us, and um, I, I, like I said, would would love nothing more than just to inspire people the same way I've motivated my son, or I'm trying to motivate my son. You know, people. Um, uh, they, they resonate with Optimus Prime. They believe in what he represents. And my goal with this is to really bring life to it in a way that even the movie trucks are not doing. So if I can bring a little bit of joy to people through your podcast, then, then I'm always happy to, to do it. Yeah. Happy to share the message. And I really hope you come to Matt's next year. I, I think, um, with the, just the number of people that they have in attendance, the, the networking alone would be so worth it for you, I think. I agree. And I would welcome the opportunity to do it. I, I just require the funding to get there and back. That's it. But I, I know we have a, a lot of fans all across the country that would love to see us. Every single post, I get things like, when you come in here, when you come in there, I'm like, we'd love to, we really want to, we just can't physically get there. But yeah. uh, I continue working really hard to find the support we need to get out there for everybody. And, and to be honest, um, you know, a lot of folks who have a truck like we have, would never even consider any of this. Like it would be stored in their garage, brought to a few local car shows, and that's the extent, and it stays in their private collection. So I want to get out there, and I'm willing to take the risk to get out there to bring the joy that's necessary to the people around the world. Exactly. It's what Optimus would do. I agree. Well, you know, there are some times where Optimus probably says to himself, you know what, this is just way too much. you got to give me a rest. Come on. But he, he understands. He understands the mission that we're on. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Back Truck Podcast. I'm James Rooster Bowen here with Justin Martin and Joe and Optimus Prime. And to uh, do it a little bit uniquely, uh, Joe, do you want to sign us off with a little uh, trademark uh, Optimus Prime catchphrase? Autobots, roll out. Oh, that was pretty good. (laughs) 